Welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God who loves us and is faithful to us. Lord, give us mercy. Give us the gift of humility, Lord, that we would trust and entrust ourselves to you. Bless this program, Lord. Anoint me, anoint Carrie, and um, and bless all those families who are listening who are right now in a in a challenging time where you feel a bit out of control. You feel a bit uh, like, gosh, Lord, it's hard for me to, to manage what's happening. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Carrie, I, um, I, I didn't mean to be so dramatic in that beginning, but the theme that was in me as uh, we got launched into the program was the importance of humility. And for me, I think in my own life, one of the biggest ways that the Lord brings humility close to me, like is attempting to sow the seed of humility in my life or to pull the weeds that would be the vices that are counter to humility is through uh, the, I, I call it the experience of, of feeling, feeling out of control, feeling like Things are unfolding in ways that I can't like manage them. I can't um, get a handle on them. And that's a hard experience because the Lord is saying, trust, come trust me. I've got you. I've got this situation. I've got your family. I've got what's happening in my hands. And the way that you will get through this situation is not by trying harder to figure it out, to get it under control, but rather to trust and entrust the situation into my hands. So I think that, Carrie, that that, that situation, I, I don't know if I'm experiencing it right now as we launch into this program because there are some folks in the audience, some folks who are listening to this program on the radio or maybe on the podcast, who knows, six months from now. And God used it. God used my experience of being vulnerable, feeling like, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, where are you? Lord, I have such good intentions. Lord, why is this happening? Lord, how, how, can, how can you, all of that, that, those voices live inside people. Those voices live inside people who are struggling with things happening in their families, in their finances, in their, in their jobs, in, in their own personal health lives, in what they see unfolding in the world around them or in the church. And the Lord is saying, trust me. He's saying, I'm, I'm your good father. I'm your good father and I know you and I know exactly where you are. Stay little. Stay as a child. <laughs> Stay humble. Disappear. Disappear. Hide. <laughs> Don't be a target. <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking about something. Do you remember at church on Sunday, I was reading The Imitation of Christ? Yeah, I do. And it was on bearing with the defects of others. Oh, yeah. And I think that often when I experience an out-of-control uh, type, situation it's when i have to bear the sins of my children and my spouse no it's when um i'm trying to figure out god's plan and i have to deal with the defects of others combined with my own limits and he says there will always be defects in up in ourselves or others which we cannot correct these must simply tolerate these must simply we must simply these, <laughs> can i read these we must simply tolerate until God, in his goodness, sees fit to change things. After all, this may be the best possible way to prove our patience, without which our good qualities are not worth much. And nevertheless, we must pray earnestly that God, in his mercy, will help you to bear these impediments with patience. Hey, this is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Longanimity is to bear sufferings or trials um, with equanimity, with a sense of peacefulness. Hey, I, 
I didn't realize I was, I, I took me a lot longer to say it than the imitation of Christ. <laughs> Wait, I think I read this about a month ago. It was like how to be patient and enduring the faults of others, remembering that you yourself have many which others have to put up with. Do you remember we read that about a month ago? I we, did. I it said, was in amen, the hallelujah. Consecration. That's yes. funny. Did you know humility is a huge theme in the Gospels this Sunday? No. Yes. So in our family Bible study, which I had to miss on Tuesdays because we're doing our prayer meeting, I'm really bummed about, so we can change that date if at all possible. Um, my brother-in-law sent out St. Mother Teresa's humility list, and there are 11 Speak as little as possible about yourself. I guess you could think about that before going like to a party or an event. How's it going? What's going on? Those people who like talk and talk and talk versus the person who's just inquiring about everyone else and just really into what they're doing. But do you think that that's a, uh, is that a, is that a character flaw or is that a, is it a sign of um, people's insecurity? Like, why did better people talk about themselves? Is It could be the flesh, right? It could be just part of their fallen nature where notice me or I value my own experience most. Well, Aquinas says, I don't know what Aquinas says. <laughs> uh, it sounds like something you'd say. Um, I think you're. I'm genuinely excited about what's going on in my life. So I want to, I think like we had friends over and I was like, hey, we had a family reunion. Let me show you the video. <laughs> They're just kind of, and then later on, it's like, I'm sorry, I made you watch my video. I was really excited about it. But they genuinely were happy to watch it. But there's one place where you're just excited about what you're doing in life. But then it's, are you excited about what you're doing in your life or what God's doing in your life? So I guess there's that distinction. And then I think if you really love the other, you're really genuinely interested, not pretending, but maybe you have to fake it until you have the right spirit to believe and to be interested in others situations. I think some people are genuinely more interested in others than others. Yeah. I, Aquinas. <laughs> Did you get that English? I'm going to go with Aquinas. I'm going to go with I was Aquinas. joking. I don't know what Aquinas no, or no, Augustine no. or so whoever Aquinas says. Aquinas has a really interesting virtue. It's called affability. Affability. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to kind of, uh, I'm not quoting him at all. I'm doing this from pure memory. It's basically a likable person. People like to be around that person. That per when that person shows up and engages in relationships, engages in conversations, it draws forth from others a sense of, I really like that person. I really like you. I, I want to get along with you. The affable person is the person that runs counter to the person who's always picking a fight, always poking at, prodding at, picking at. And so... I just, for some reason, remember that. Hmm. It's it's not one of these like major virtues, but it's like an associated virtue to loving friendship. Like if you're going to be someone who ex exercises loving friendship, you're really pouring your life out for others. Affability is you're just likable to others, which is not a bad thing. I love that character quality. There was a, a boy, a teenage boy that our kids all were enamored with because he was so likable oh yeah and they just would go on and on about this kid and i go is he really that you know i kept thinking who is this i have to meet this kid did i ever meet him i don't think i ever met him it was just really interesting how he captured all of their hearts and interests because of his kindness um mother Teresa, number four accept contempt being forgotten and disregarded wow there you go mother that Teresa. is hard Accept well, small irritations with good humor. Hold on, hold on. Do not go, dwell on the you're faults going of too others. Fast. I want to just accept censures. Is there one that even says, if I'm, <laughs> go ahead, Tom. Sorry, you're killing me. Well, <laughs> I, I don't want to. I'm not going to correct Mother Teresa, but it felt like she was saying almost three things there when she said, "Accept contempt," and then she said, "When you're thought little of by others." Is that how it reads? Being forgotten and disregarded. Forgotten and disregarded feels different than contempt. Okay. What's contempt? If, if Looking someone... down on someone with dis, not dis, disdain. Disdain, not disgust. disgust. But just like, well, not quite disgust in my mind, but I could be wrong. Well, when you say disdain, I don't think people have a strong sense of what disdain means. But if you said, I'm disgusted by you, that's really strong. I don't that's think contempt. it's... Is it dis, I think it's not as strong as disgust. It's more... I don't have a need to esteem you right now. I just, 
you're not even worth you're not worth my time my thoughts my so i don't to be held in contempt yeah i guess so yeah well when you're in contempt of court (laughs) what are you doing i don't you're badgering the judge you're disregarding his his uh, order the things that he's requiring. I'm going to hold you in contempt. In other words, you're displaying contempt for the court for what ought to be. You're being disrespectful. There we go. So there's a, a degree of disrespect that writes okay. the other person off. That's contempt. You're so unimportant to me. I just write you off. Okay. Okay. Being Oof. forgotten and disregarded. Are I you- guess so. So then, from that standpoint, yeah. If you're forgot, if you're disregarded. Or forgotten, left behind, because someone thinks so little of you. I, I guess as I read this list, I did tell you there are 11 of them. I just find the whole list, or even those litany, the litany of humility, to be so contrary to my human pride, my human need for affirmation, acknowledgement, acceptance, celebration. It, it's, it's fundamentally humanly so in the opposite direction it's called of paradoxical where we yeah. want to go when we enter a room it's the scripture from was the scripture sunday about don't invite the rich the friend your friends your neighbors right. your brothers because they, they can, can repay, repay you, you. yeah <laughs> but bo- invite the people who can't the lame it's kind of like right. that whole spirit or attitude of how do we enter day to day how do we wake up in the morning is it well that the litany of humility, it's funny, that's I started with talking about humility, and this is where we're at right now. The litany of humility is really, it's a hard prayer to pray. You have to have a degree of spiritual maturity to pray that prayer and, and to mean it. I um, think, it, yeah, I think sometimes I look at it and I, I immediately want to turn it over or close it because I feel so lost in those, pra- in those um, different... You know, different um, ideas of how your heart posture is towards others and God. And so it makes me discouraged. Well, and here's the funny thing uh, who is the person in the world that had the least amount of contempt shown to her in our lifetime? Mother Teresa, <laughs> right? So she's praying that prayer. Um, but on the other hand, she's out on the street tending to those that are dying. And I'm sure that. She was encountering on a day-to-day basis for decades the contempt of others for what she was doing before she became so famous. You know what you do really well? Number five. Uh Uh-oh. This is good. You accept small irritations with good humor. I see you do that every day with me. I could be irritating to you or your children, or you can't find this because you have to run out the door, or... Something got misplaced, or I don't know, some kind of situation when you're dealing with people in real estate or in work. You can share with me some irritations that happen, but typically you just smile and keep moving. Where I, on the other hand, would did I tell you? And then later on that night, and anyhow, and you just kind of think, can we move on? Can we just? pass over all of that. So I, do you know what I would say is it was what a holy priest shared with me. Yes. That I think was like, you talk about a seed sown into someone's life and then if it takes root and begins to grow, it can lead to that. I call that hilarity, right? Not taking yourself too seriously. It was Father Noonan. Mm -hmm. Um, That was that insight, but I want to link it to something that Father Mark Montmany would bring out in my life, which was, if that's the worst thing you're experiencing, you've, you've got, got a really, really good life. life. You got it. You got We're it. We're going to so, be saying this at your funeral. Yeah. Five things dad said. The dad always said. <laughs> and, and what was the point? It, and it's that exact point that little crosses, don't be surprised when little crosses come your way. They are wonderful stepping stones to growing in holiness. And if that's the worst cross you've got to experience... What in the world are you complaining about? This is such a little thing. Well, you only have so much space in your day, in your mind, in your heart. Why are we filling it with things that really dishonor our own human dignity by drudging up these different scenarios? That's a great point, Carrie. 
I um, I, I want to take it from here, but I know we have other ones to do, and we are, are actually up against a break. Today Sound Insight, we are reflecting on humility. That's where we're beginning. Where we're going to end, I humbly acknowledge that I'm not sure yet, and I still have that book in front of me. Uh, we'll, we'll eventually get to that on the program. Back in a minute with Carrie Curran and Faith and Family Friday. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran, joined by my wife, my wife, lovely wife, Carrie. And uh, Carrie, great to be with you. I was humbled today in a conversation. This guy, I had a phone meeting with him, and he said, "Oh, my wife is here," and and I know the wife as well. And he's like, "Yeah, we're uh, making a trip to the jewelry store to pick up this very beautiful band, wedding band, because we've been married 26 years." And I'm like, "Uh oh." You're flexing on me. I'm married 27 years, and we didn't pick up a very lovely wedding band for you. I got my wedding band fixed last year. I mean, I lost two diamonds, but I got it put together after 26 years. It, they soldered it. They did? Remember how I used to always Yeah, it was always loose. It? Yeah. I finally went in. Yeah. There's something Carrie, about you, my you ring. you said two diamonds. I mean, people might be thinking, what? How'd you lose two oh, diamonds? Oh, these are the tiniest, these are, these cutest are tiny. little, I can barely I see they, them. They had to take out a microscope <laughs> to say, is that a diamond? What is that speck? I don't know if wedding rings are a quick, like, uh, measure of wealth or someone's income or their success, but I literally have the smallest wedding ring of anybody I know. So there you go. Is that funny? Okay. Now hold on. It's I, okay. This is no. Hold on. It's this is a, this a little thing. It's... No, but I. This is one of the regrets I have. Okay? No, absolutely not, Tom. Oh no, hold this on. This is where we were in life. You were a poor doctoral student. I was trying to get out of school debt. And we were just starting off. And it was, love was everything. It did not matter that I just could, you literally could have given me a ring from like those 25 cent candy dis- deposit things that you find. The when cracker you, jack box. When you walk out of the grocery store, remember you could put a quarter in and get. Uh, no, I don't remember that. But And they came a little plastic on. thing. I had a strategy. <laughs> so here's the thing. So I did two, I had two fundamental flaws. Okay. When I bought the ring. All right. The first was I did a spontaneous, oh my goodness, I've run out of time. Carrie's showing up. I've got to buy the ring. No. Uh-oh. You never told me. Now, <laughs> that's it. And there was no Costco. Hold on. There was no Costco to go buy your So do you know where at. I bought this ring? Yes, I remember. At this Some most expensive North place. Northwest Washington. Where all the downtown. senator and congressmen who have lots of money go and you get hooked. It was, so I bought it. Never buy jewelry terrible. in a jewelry store. Well, and that was the thing. So I didn't plan out. Okay. I didn't do the research. That's and here okay. I am, research degree in theology. And I didn't plan out, didn't research. Where is the most affordable place to get? Uh, an engagement ring. That was the I first thing. I think that was before you really could Google stuff. It was just when the internet was getting up and going. That's true. I could ask around. I'm going to give you a pass. It wasn't very small. Okay. But the second was when we were looking at the ring, um, we had a certain amount of money. And I said, I want a quality, the highest quality ring I can get for that price. And so that's why the <laughs> ring is so small. I could have said... <laughs> Give me the cloudy ring with the imperfections on it. I just want the biggest ring I can get. I want the most carrots I can get for that amount of money. So you have a really bright, shiny, clear. When it's clean. Clean, clear ring. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Boy, did I. That was a terrible decision. So how did that relate to this couple? They got a wedding ring on their 26th wedding anniversary. Oh, um. So he was, well, then they told me their story. I was saying, oh, man, you're flexing on me because I didn't get one for my wife on her, on her anniversary. And it was, they wanted to honor like 25 years of marriage. And he had gotten her a nice ring 10 years in, into their marriage. But the guy didn't believe that her finger was as small as he said it was. And so he gave her a bigger ring. So it kept falling off her fingers and she eventually put it in a drawer, and then it got thrown out in the trash. Oh, no. Uh, like a really expensive, beautiful diamond ring. Oh. So isn't that, talk about humbling. So it was like they waited 15 years, and in his 25th anniversary, he said, here's a, here's a coupon, a gift certificate. Go buy yourself a wedding ring, a, a band to honor 25 years. So it took them a year, but now they're picking it up. 
You know, so. I, that reminds me. I think my finger got bigger. It was the COVID-19, the 19 pounds. Something happened where I could not get my ring off my finger regularly, and I did not like that feeling of it being stuck. So he stretched the band. Really? That's initially why I went in to the jeweler. And then I said, well, why don't you just solder it since... <laughs> or put it together. I don't even know the right, you whatever. Like cut it, open it up a little bit, and then solder it? He, yeah, they stretched it. You can't stretch metal. I mean, unless you're heating the metal so I much that I don't know. It... He did. I'm almost sure that's... that. Carrie, is... was it in Northwest Washington, D.C.? Was it in Coeur d'Alene? I'm just teasing. Oh, like... <laughs> yeah, right. No, I'm sure that's why. And then my fingers, I have that arthritis, osteoarthritis, and my I now have the, the knuckles are getting wider, so I won't be able to pull it up over. I don't know. It's it's a ring. Dad, Tom, this is the reading from this this week, the gospel reading. First reading from Sirach. My child, conduct your affairs with humility. And you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. Yes. How did, do you go to the Oaks? How did you learn how to memorize scripture? <laughs> That's a not from Sirach. Humble. I memorized that. Humble yourself the more, the greater you are. Yes. Yeah. Keep going. And you um, will find... I don't know. Favor with God. Nice. What is too sublime for you? Seek not. Oh, yes. That's right. Into things beyond your strength. Search not. The mind of a sage appreciates proverbs. I'm not sure what that means. And an, ad- and an attentive ear is the wise man's joy. All right. That's the best of it. Nice. Well, it's actually pretty good. Um, but that's the uh, first reading. And then the th- so, you know what? I used to, uh, the reason why I knew that. No, I don't know. Why did you know that scripture? Well, when I first experienced my conversion, when I was 18 and a half, um, the scriptures came alive. And I wanted to memorize scripture and the, um, the uh, imitation of Christ. So I would um, write down on note cards quotes, and I would go through them at night. I would. I would go through them. I, I memorized oh, like 50 of them. What a good seminary you quotes. must have been. No, this was before I was in the seminary. I'm just saying they must no, have No, didn't been, I tell you what I did? They must Remember, have been very excited when they got you. When I went in the seminary, I took these big note cards. They were like seven by nine. They were huge note cards. And I wrote them all down, all these quotes from, um, it was most of them were from Sirach. Wait, did you say your note cards were seven inches by nine yeah, inches? Yeah, they were big ones. Why were they, why didn't you just oh, do the seven by four nine. by three? Four by Five, five by seven, seven five probably. by seven. They weren't tiny. They, they were, were the, they were the large. regular. Okay. They were large size note cards, and it was just easier for me to flip through them like flashcards. Okay. And um, when I got to the seminary, I got inspired, and so I got some tape out, <laughs> and I made like a brick wall. I made wallpaper out of the note cards. See, I know there's a reason we still have those curtain rods up in our house. I'm going to be hanging scriptures. So I did that. I taped them all next to each other and then taped them all. And I had literally a wall of note cards. Your buddies must have thought you were a Jesus freak. They did. They thought I I was. (laughs) Well, imagine now me, right? I had experienced um, this awakening of the Holy Spirit in my life. I was evangelizing, evangelizing, evangelizing. I was all into apologetics, all into Jesus' Lord, and I love him, and I want passionate to serve him, and I come in the seminary. I don't know how I got in with that kind of spirit, right? <laughs> well, putting You up, think they would want you in the seminary. I, I was the only guy. Well, there oh. were like one, it was like there was one other priest, one other seminarian in my class that had experience with the charismatic renewal, and then a couple other guys that I kind of found that had a love for scripture. Uh, but it was, I was a bit of an oddball because um, of my fervor, right? And, uh, and if guys had, like, if they said something against the teaching of the church, I'd go at them. I'd say, that's not what the church teaches, and here's what it is, and I'm going to defend it. And, and they're like, hey, man, back off. <laughs> Dial it down. So I remember when I got to my, my room, because uh, you left your doors open, in the seminary. So my door was open and I turned, coming down the hall, walked into my room and there was a faculty member there, one of the formation faculty standing there looking at the wall. <laughs> He's like, who's this kid? He's <laughs> reading the scriptures that I had posted on the wall. And he, he was a little caught off guard. He was a little caught off guard. Um, so you want one more story? 
Yes. One more story from my uh, time in in that room. What does Mother Teresa say? Speak as little as possible about yourself. That is number one. I think you just broke. No, just kidding. Oh my goodness, this is killing me. <laughs> go ahead. But this, I feel inspired to do it. Yes. Go well, on. and this had to do with spiritual warfare, and don't read too much about Satan. So I went down to the library in the seminary, and I got a book out titled Satan, and it was on. That's uh, the title of the book. It was on Satan, and there was a subtitle oh, okay. like the the theology and history of Satan in art and okay. literature, or something like that. And reading through that book, I got a heightened awareness of the realm of the demonic and of the reality of spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, and that we're engaged in spiritual warfare. And there's a principle that you'll discover when you read um, writings on spiritual warfare, which is that the devil will ordinarily in this current moment, and this is now 40 years ago, ordinarily would remain hidden and attempt to foster a sense of a lack of belief in the realm of the the, the spiritual and of spiritual warfare. Because if, if you don't know, then you're not going to engage. However, and here's the principle, if you begin to probe into that world, you stop poking the nest, the demonic nest, then demons will begin to come at you. They'll begin to harass you. You're like, you want to learn about warfare? We're going to bring it on. So I had several experiences in that room that were demonic like manifestations, like coming at you kind of thing. One was... I've never heard this before. Really? I've never told this to you? No. Well, okay, again, in my defense, I do forget things, but... I would have remembered these stories. I, I'm sure two of them you remember. The third one was a, I, I sensed it was demonic because there wasn't any other natural explanation. So I told you these rooms, um, the doors would remain open. And they had skeleton keys. If you know what a skeleton key is, oh, it, you know, those old I, and, keys that yes. have, like when you see an old key, it's long. Yes, and you then see it has the that, Halloween stores. Right, like that. So it's like a long key, not that people go into Halloween stores around here. <laughs> so, it, so the door lock was very complicated to lock. Um, and the only way to lock it was you would have to put the key in and you'd have to go click, click, click to lock the door. That's so cool. And so they gave uh, uh, you know each of us a key. And um, the only other way to lock it would be from the inside. You could actually turn turn the bolt, right? So um, I one day got back to my room, and the door was closed, and it was locked. And I didn't have my key. So I went to the priest who was at the end of the hall saying, here's my situation. And he's like, I don't understand. Where's your key? And I said, it's in my room. And he's like, how did the door get locked? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> so sure enough, we, he, he came and had a spare key. He opened it, went, and there on my desk was the key, the key to the room. It, the, the door had gotten, you could not lock that door by accident. It wouldn't just click and flip by itself. And this is now a discernment matter, right? It's a discernment thing. There's no way for that key to get on the desk all by itself. And it was, for me, it was the devil playing a little joke. Not, I was not saying it was Satan, but it was a, a demon. This was right in the midst of, of all these other things that were happening. Did you think that when that, that I did, happened? immediately. And then you stopped going there. I sensed. I got rid of the book. <laughs> I got rid of the book. I was just joking. But you, no, and I, I, I okay. brought it to my spiritual director, and it was, don't give undue attention to Satan. And the, the other ones were more, more frightening manifestations of demonic voices and a demonic we'll presence. We'll save those for October. Yeah. Anyways, I'm it was, uh, I, no, I bring it up just because I, I don't even know why I brought it up other than we kind of got led there. I'm just kind of humbly following the humbly. path, the trail of the, of the conversation. This is something I'd like you to share. What is too So sublime? you're reading, you're reading from <laughs> Sunday's. Second reading. First reading. Doing. Oh, the first reading. Yeah. What is too sublime 
for you seek not. Into things beyond your strength search not. Yes. What does that mean? Right. So what is um, one of the manifestations of pride? It's um, Mm. saying, I know, or I want to know, right? Remember, what was the temptation that the devil used to Adam and Eve? It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat that apple, you will come into the knowledge of God. And so that was an act of pride. You want to elevate yourself to a divine level of knowing by going after it yourself. So it's a way of describing the opposite of humility. Humility is, is guess what? If you lower yourself, guess what one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is? It's understanding. And in understanding, you come to know what you didn't know before by God's grace. God graces you to come to understand divine truths, supernatural truths, not through your effort, but by being receptive to his enlightenment. And you have to be a humble person to be able to receive that gift. So guess what? Humility will be a path to deeper insight into divine revelation than uh, uh, academic Uh, intellectual gymnastics and heroic adventures to pursue insights into divine revelation. Excellent. So, all right, Carrie, we are up against a break again. Back in a minute uh, with more with Tom and Carrie Card. All right. Hey, it's great to have you here on the program. As always, if you are new to the program, I do encourage you to go to mycatholicfaith.org. If you go to mycatholicfaith.org, you'll have the ability to listen to all of these programs in a podcast form. That's right. If you can't make it during the time this program is aired on the radio, you can access it anytime, day or night, on Apple Podcasts, which you can access on Apple Podcasts. The name of the podcast is the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast. Or you can just subscribe um, for that podcast on mycatholicfaith.org, where they are also posted. Kerry, back to you. You're looking at something profound. It's a Mother Teresa list of 11 aspects of humility. Is that where we're at, or where are we now? Yes, this is uh, because this weekend the uh, readings are on, on humility. Um, and I've never read these before. I've read the Litany of Humility, but I've never read her humil- humility list. I never heard, I've never heard of that. Uh, Mike sent it to me to the group chat. Nice. Um, it, number six, uh, do not dwell on the faults of others. How, how entrapping, that's the word, this can be in a marriage, for one spouse to think about and ponder and dwell on the limits or the lack of their spouse. Now, I know you don't know that, but I know. <laughs> no, I... I feel like um, in our, you know, it's when we go to confession, it's in our thoughts and in our words. It's it's what we hold in our mind, and if we dwell on, oh, this isn't getting done, or this this area, or I wish it was like this, and and start to reminisce, rem, ru, what's that word? Remove. How about just replay? Ruminate. Ruminate. There you go. Do you know where ruminate comes from? I don't know. I could barely say the word. <laughs> to, I believe to ruminate comes from. What the um, what the cow does with the grass, oh, the, the, over the cud, yeah, where it swallows it and then regurgitates it Ugh. and then chews on it again and then regurgitates it. Uh, well, you know how like sometimes I'll be irritated with a, a sibling or a kid, and then I will come to you and bring it up, and then I'll come back and bring it up again, and I come back and bring it up again. Anyhow, I have to admit I have seen that. You have, I have heard that, yes. <laughs> Every now and then. Well, there is a real uh, negative uh, spiritual grabbing on to that. There's an actual clinging. Well, I think when I think about it, or when I speak it, it actually has a life form. It's like you're speaking these words about this person, and you're you're naming somebody, and you're adding power, or you're adding truth in a negative way to that person versus speaking uh, a pot, like, you know how you say the gift and gap, but actually speaking what I, what I, what's being veiled. 
I'm trying to not be too spiritual, <laughs> but it's not really coming across very clearly. But I just do really believe that when I think about the faults of one, it really has a power and it has a strength that I can let take over my mind or take not take over my mind, but, but take over space in my thought pattern that is really detrimental and deadening to me. And it's just something to be aware of because um, especially as we try to deal with, you know, in-laws and, you know, young adult children, or maybe, you know, eventually we'll have son and daughter-in-laws and we're going to have to um, find a way to love them and, and, and celebrate them and encourage them because I know it's going to be <laughs> not going to be perfect or, you know, we'll have our irritations. And so anyhow, I'm kind of going on and on, but do not dwell on the faults of others. Well, on the one hand, the quick one is is if you've listened to this program for the through the years, you know I'll immediately go to John Paul II that the way something lives in your mind, how you're conscious of it, impacts your attitude and therefore your action. Right. See, so that's so much more clearer. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, thank you, John Paul II. Yeah. Well. Right. And but you're right. So ideas have consequences. Ideas that get sown in the mind or in the heart. That's it. Ideas get sown into the heart and then they give rise to the attitude. So when we do dwell on those things, we're dwelling on things that are not real, right? That's John Paul II. That's a false reality. And so, and, and so the, well, you can say that person really stole something. He, he's a, that he's a thief. Yes. Or he steals things repeatedly. That's right. So it is real. It's real in terms of the actions are real. The consequences are real, but is it his deepest, truest self? Got it. That's, that's the falseness. That's profound. And so to be able to look at someone in the eyes and say, I see beyond how you're showing up. Okay. I see beyond these false ways that you're beginning to forge your sense of who you are. It is not who you are. So if you see your child continually getting angry and having temper tantrums and breaking down and disrupting the peace of the house, there is a way in which you can see beyond that and speak a lot. Yeah, I think that that's person. the call, right? Okay. It's not easy. It's not but that's the call. The call is to say, I see like and that's where we have to rely on again God's power and and who that person is in the mind of God. So you bring that person to God. You bring that child to God and say, Jesus, please you've got to help me because I'm really struggling with that. Or bring that spouse to God. Bring that spouse to God. Right. Bring There's the husband, definitely bring been the wife. times I just cut cut you off. There's definitely been I'm just acknowledging it. <laughs> There's definitely been times where the Holy Spirit in prayer, it wasn't Jesus, it wasn't the Father, it was the Holy Spirit who broke into my heart and mind and changed my whole outlook, transformed it in the matter of a you know a, a prayer time. It's powerful. And you mean like towards me, or do you mean just towards like a kid, or oh, towards yourself, or see, towards eight a situation? times was towards you. Yeah. <laughs> One <laughs> times was towards a kid. Yeah. One other times was towards my mom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, towards you and towards a child and towards a situation that I just could not see truth and light and I, I was feeling in bondage to and trapped. So, Well, I, I think that, that I want that to be a message of hope for folks who are listening because the idea that we cling to negative thoughts is just got to be so common. It's hard. And, and here's one of the reasons why is that when you see bad acting, let's just call it bad acting, mm -hmm. or people settling for less, at least in your mind, they're settling for less, how do you feel? Disappointed. Or even hurt. Mm -hmm. Right? So when, when someone's hurt and disappointed in a relationship, it's really hard not to let that become the dominant spirit or, or the atmosphere in the room when you're beginning to relate to that person. It takes on a life all its own. It's like that thought or that circumstance or that situation wasn't there, wasn't spoken, and then it was. And all of a sudden, there is something that stands in between, and it has life. I know it because I can feel it in my depth of my soul that there is more than just... And you know, Carrie, I, I see two things there. One is the power of being able to receive that grace. The power of being able to not say your behaviors right now, your attitudes right now, how you're showing up right now is so disappointing and hurtful to me because of all that I've given to you to be able to get beyond that. Do you want me to read uh, Imitation of Christ again? 
<laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Should I go back? Should no, we go no, back? <laughs> I, I, well, you can. Yeah, you can read it one more Just time. Like, there will always be defects in ourselves or others which we cannot correct. These we must simply tolerate until God and his goodness and his timing, right, sees fit to change things. After all, this may be the best possible way to prove our patience without which our good qualities are not worth much. Awesome. So that let's on that last section. Our good qualities don't work. So here's a for instance, right? So one of our daughters really disappointed me and uh, her behaviors regarding how she performed at school was was really upsetting. And I had a choice. My choice was act out of the upsetment and play the gotcha game. I gotcha. There's no room. You can't squirm out of this. You're you're nailed. And I I could have chosen that spirit easily. There there was that energy inside of me to say, do that. Which brings blame, shame, shuts down. It just shuts down. Yeah. And it just leads her into that sense of self condemnation and self hatred and just wants to hide and, I and think, avoid. And I think every person in that situation has every right. I don't know if it's a human right to to go after someone like that, but I think in our culture, we would say, well, you have every right to be upset with your child and to go after them because they didn't perform and right. they knew that they had to do that, I and guess. And so, uh, so, that, so there's that challenge. How do I say, I am upset by that. I, I'm hurt by that, but I'm still here for you. And let's walk together on how we're going to go forward so that we don't break the relationship or introduce further wounds in there, but not let my upsetment be the first message that has to be heard, the second message that just has to be heard, and the third thing, just in case you forget, is really how I feel. That's why you deal with our young adult children and our teenagers, (laughs) because I will fail. (laughs) It's like, go talk to your dad. (laughs) But here's the thing. You brought up to me and really challenged corrected and convicted me about the ways in which that approach isn't always right and doesn't always work. It doesn't really lead to the kind of positive outcome that's there. And so when we come back, Carrie, I want to share about a beautiful thing that came out of a very difficult walk. And we'll do that in a minute on the program. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom and Carrie. Curran. All right, dear. So I want to humble myself a bit on we were taking a walk and you were in that mode of being frustrated with the kids not stepping up and and, and being fruitful and productive in the summer. Do you that was the walk? hard. Yes, that was painful. <laughs> it's a painful. Ugh. I don't even know. It started so good. Like, let's go take a walk Uh, together, get some exercise and the beautiful sunset and all that. It wasn't just how the walk ended. It was just more the content of my pain, our pain. And I said to you, I'm sure we're not the only parents struggling with kids that don't get jobs, (laughs) don't produce during the summer, barely have a job. I think a couple of our girls had jobs that they worked less than 20 hours a week. It felt that way. Let's, let's keep Should moving forward. Move it, <laughs> move it forward. Carrie, this... Do not dwell on the faults yes, of the local on. businesses that don't get, give your kids more hours. Let's go, go. Keep moving. Okay. But the point was, you were bringing that... You were, you were blaming the situation in part on me. That I hadn't stepped in further. And maybe I wasn't upset. Why wasn't I as upset as you? at the lack of like step up guys come on you got to work hard don't just sleep in and laze around and 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 waste your life i just didn't feel like they were listening to me anymore and i thought you had the authority as the dad and i i was just i didn't know what to do so i yelled at you i got very mad at you 
Well, and I, I wasn't very receptive. I wanted to bring out the positives that the kids had done and all that we had done during the summer. And that wasn't helpful. That's typically how our arguments go. I know. I know. Dad sees half full. I see half empty. I see the gift. You see the gap. <laughs> I don't want to be the called gift. the gap, though. I know, that's I know, not. I know. That's not good. Okay. You, well, you see, I want to see improvement. You, you, what, you right. think we've already arrived? We're on. I'm on the journey. <laughs> Let's look at it that way. No, well, Aquinas is both. When you're on the way, when you're on the way, you celebrate how far you've come, but you have the longing for how much further there is still okay. to go. I have right? the longing. You have the longing. I have, longing I have the heaven. celebration. Okay, so it it lit a fire in me to engage with my kids differently. So I got home. I said sit down. And I got my boys in the room and I said to them, not an option. We are not just talking about pleasant ideals of what the summer could potentially be for you. If you'd only step Let's up, get out our smart goals. Let's go. <laughs> Come on a vision. You can work out and you'll, and you'll be so fruitful and you, you can, can do great books. things this summer. You Let's raise up Latin. these goals. And I said, forget that. We're talking about a schedule. We're just talking about a schedule. Tomorrow morning, you're getting up. I'm waking you up at 6.30. You're going to get up, and you're going to the gym. In fact, you're going to work out twice a day. You're going to get up first thing in the morning, and you're going to work out, and you're going to go back at the end of the day, and you're going to do these like these training sessions. Was this just before they went to Steubenville Northwest, right? I don't remember. I think they. I know you said wasn't. when no, you they... get back from Steubenville Northwest oh, from these three it's days, it's going to be a different world. It's a whole new dad. It's a whole new world, guys. Right? Game time is over. Fun time is over. Up in your game. So when they got back, sat them down, and sure enough, it started that next day. And was that the first time you felt like you changed your mode of? fathering to that ex- that degree or that I think that I had exhorted them still in a cheerleading fashion like exhorting them from the present saying look how far you could go look do you have any idea how far you could get and <laughs> why then, doesn't that work with our kids it, I don't know it's different personalities or whatever I don't think but it works with any of our I think kids. part of it is that we in doing that we set these goals and then we'll uphold a certain accountability and then we don't follow through on it on the think, punishment I think part of it is I look back at the life I lived and how much time I wasted and I want more for my kids. <laughs> Yeah, I'm parenting from guilt. Yeah, what a waste of my summers when I was in high school, and oh, of all the stuff I I could have achieved. Well, Carrie, we all do that. We all look at the things that we lacked. The things that we lacked growing up, we then emphasize too much in our own parenting, and it's like I'm trying to figure out well, how are they going to (laughs) parent? How are they going to parent? Not even okay. I should not laugh. So, well, what? But what happened? was so cool. When I was a, uh, a a rock wall, a steel wall that there was no getting around, over, or through, it was raw obedience. That became their freedom. Their freedom was, there's no wiggle room. Their freedom was, you have no option. You're not going to whine your way out of it. You're not going to complain your way out of it. You're not going to excuse your way out of it. You are going to do it. And this is my, thus saith the word of, the, of dad, you are going to do this. And we've had two of the best weeks that we've had this summer. It's been less complicated, but these kids have been working out twice a day, almost every single day. And here's the thing, they're loving it. Wow, how did that even happen? How did that happen where they're talking about it, getting energy around it, talking about it together, getting their friends involved, and and even going back to a gym the third time? And it's like, why didn't I figure that out years ago? Why didn't I figure out the sense of, let's call it a, a lordly sense of authority? Thus saith dad, no option, go. So... It was, um, it was interesting. I, and I don't know if it's, I, I can't read into the relationships yet to see if there's a difference. Um, but it, it did bring to my awareness that much more the importance of a fatherly authority or the authority of parents being a, a firm foundation. And it, it doesn't mean being mean and harsh, 
No. It does. You don't have to yell. I think it's the when you say Pharaoh. I think you took all choice away. There was no option, but this is what you will do. So when you didn't have, they didn't have the wiggle room or the thought of, oh, I'm going to look to other opportunities or, or, you know, these are other things I could do. There was no other pathway. So that it go straight ahead. It made it easy for them, I think. Exactly. That's it's what I simplified. Said. Free, uh, it was the, the lack of a choice made it easy. Oh, you just said that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I used to say that to the guys. I'd say, um, guys, don't. When, when it was like we had a men's group every Thursday, I said, don't say, oh, am I going to go tonight? No, I'm committed. I'm committed to be there. I don't have a choice. It's what I've committed to. So in the end, freedom is not about choice. It's about commitment. It's about what I've given myself over to. And in this instance, I had given myself over to that commitment for them. They had no choice. And what happens is, is they get drawn into that kind of freedom. So that's mature freedom. Mature freedom is when you're directed from within regarding what is going to be the best for you. And that part of parenting was not something that was I grew up with. You know, my mom made us go to Mass. There was no choice. We went to Mass every day, and it was just what we did. I, you know, or pray the rosary. There, and it, it was just, I don't know, it was just in us. I guess, not that we went with a joyful heart all the time or um, excited, but there was something about that, that in parenting today, I think psychology or sociology, sociologists will say, you know, let's have a conversation. Let's, you know, hear their side of it. Let's not... How do you feel about let's it? Let's not make them feel rebellious. I think even here I have this book on the, uh, the truth and meaning of human sexuality in it. It says, uh, parents should learn how to listen carefully to their children, how to make the effort to understand them, and how to recognize the fragment of truth that may be present in some forms of rebellion. Uh, at the same time, parents will have to be able to help their children to channel anxieties, aspirations correctly, and teach them to reflect on the reality of things and how to reason. Um, not imposing a certain line of behavior, but rather showing both the supernatural and human motives that recommend such behavior. I know I just read a lot there, but you know, this is all conversational. When you read, this is by the, I think this is St. John Paul II, right? Is that who that did that? Uh, no, it's from a... Oh, um, the Pontifical Council for the Family. Yeah. But it's a really good, it's a really good... It's excellent. Is this, what is this called? It's from the 19th. That's not encyclical. No, no, it's a, um, <laughs> it's guidelines for education. <laughs> it's like a little booklet? It's a document, a document. that came from a Vatican congregation. But when you read that, and kids are trying to figure out morals and, and ethics, and you're having these conversations and it, you know, you really need to take time to talk about this stuff, but this is something yeah, different. But, well, and it's something different. It complements it because that, what he just, what you just read there, that's where I live. That's, that's okay. home. That's home yeah, base for that me. That does sound like you. So to move from that to something that is more, I'm a steel wall and there's no way around me. Um, that's something that I need, I need to bring in as a compliment. Now that doesn't, it's not about being mean and harsh and loud and angry. It's none of those things, but it's being firm. It's being firm and decisive. So, well, Carrie, we are up against the end of the program. Amen. Do you have one left? No, but I think if you want to look up St. Mother Teresa's humility list, there's 11 and they're pretty good. St. Mother Teresa's Pray humility during list. Mass. Pray them with the, uh, the readings. Wow. That would be awesome. Well, Carrie, thanks for humbly walking with me through the <laughs> You're program. Welcome. God bless you guys. Join me on Monday with Father Nagel and Father Lewis, where we talk about the saints.